three years later, I, you know, I started this company, not married, no kids, um, and and now married with two kids under two, and uh, I'm questioning everything. No, uh, it's 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 actually <laughs> it's it's actually been an amazing, amazingly rewarding experience. I think you know, but going through a pivot and and seeing the depths of of what startup life is is really like um and and not drawing a paycheck for a little while drawing a paycheck and not drawing a paycheck again because you run out of money and then pivoting and finding what you're supposed to be doing and now finding the right investors and partners has been just an unbelievable journey welcome back to another episode of who is saving the planet with me today is the one and the only Jess Miles. Hey, excited for this episode. I know you are. Even though your voice may not belie this phenomenal excitement that, that is just lurking below the surface. Okay, I have to play it cool, obviously. I can't come off super <laughs> strong right at the top. You are the coolest cucumber I know. So, um, Andrew Foreman, the CEO of Gives, was our guest today. And for a lot of reasons, this episode meant a lot to me. He uh, he really spoke to like the struggle that is starting a company and also the journey that it takes to figure out what it is you feel like you're supposed to be doing. So I really love talking to him. What did you think? Yeah, I think it was a great conversation. And at the end, you and Andrew got in a nice little heartwarming conversation about what it's like to be startup dads uh, and the balance of a home life and trying to get a business off of the ground, which was very heartwarming and touching. Well, I'm, I, we do what we can until we have Jess Miles, but yeah, it was great talking to him, but let's talk a little bit about what Gives is and what Gives does. So Gives in its most basic form is a way to align incentives between what consumers want and what companies need. So instead of going to a website and having the company give you a discount, which means you pay less for the thing, they give you another option. And that option is to say, take that discount and give it to charity, give it to a cause that matters. And in doing so, you still will go through the process and buy the thing that they're selling. But instead of just getting a little bit of money off, you're actually helping a cause that matters. From the company standpoint, they're providing an incentive to buy their product while also providing an avenue to give to charity. And from a consumer standpoint, they're already there to buy the thing. And this is one more incentive to complete the transaction while also helping someone else out. I think of this as a way of extricating altruism from capitalism. Or a win, win, win. A win, win, win. Absolutely. This is what Andrew talks a lot about. I think it's such a cool platform. You know, it's, it's an idea that seems pretty simple. And the fact that the math checks out only makes it more amazing. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Yeah. And before all that, we talk about Andrew Simon, the marching band, which actually he was not in. So <laughs> stick around for the bassoon, then stay for the philanthropy, and finish out with some good old heartwarming dad dog. Welcome to this episode of Who's Saving the Planet. We have the CEO of Gives, Andrew Foreman, who was just about to tell us what instrument he played in the college marching band. 
That is unbelievable that you said college marching band because my wife says that every single time. It is not the marching band. Let me be clear. It is you didn't march. The orchestra. In fact, no, no, definitely didn't march. <laughs> it was the orchestra. Um, you're not allowed. It's actually illegal to march with this instrument in some states. And I have been doing this with people for years um, and asking them and giving them three guesses. And not a single person has ever guessed it in all their three guesses. All right, Jess, let's do this. What do you? What is it illegal to march with? Triangle. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> Pretty sure it's okay to march with a triangle. Um, <laughs> um, a cello. Okay. That just sounds like a poor idea. I'm not sure it would be illegal. <laughs> I don't like maybe like a what xylophone. What do you mean? That sounds like a. That's like not those those wind chimes that you play in the orchestra. <laughs> a harp. A harp. These are all. I, I think I subscribe to Lex's idea of these are bad ideas, but not necessarily illegal. So what is it? Like, like so actually, uh, before, an alpaca. Like, what did just you play? Before, just before we hit record on this, Jess was the first person ever, ever I've ever come across. I said, "You'll never get it. It's the most random instrument in the orchestra." Bassoon. No way. Oh, and it's wow. illegal to march with a bassoon because somebody once this is bad. Somebody tripped, fell. The bassoon, the way it's shaped, killed them. Um, and so you can't <laughs> in some states march with the bassoon. So we're 100% going to get into like the work that you're doing to institute, you know, productive marketing and philanthropy and whatnot. But I think it's a cop out that you picked the one instrument knowing that you would never have to like march with it as like, you know, that was very strategic of you. Like, no one's going to make me do anything extra because I'm a bassoonist. bassoonist? No, I, was a, I was a captain. I was a captain of a football team. So I actually it was strategic. I couldn't march because at halftime I was in the locker room talking to the team. That's smart. Aside from the fact that it's also a death instrument that kills somebody. <laughs> death <laughs> instrument that kills somebody. Okay. Um, also, I, I just realized probably in the background, that is my son, Rye. He is here to support your work as well. He's just left exit stage left. Now, Andrew, we have established you are a bassoonist and a captain of the football team. So like cool nerd, which is our favorite type of, of people. Tell us about the company that you have created. What is Gives? Yeah, so Gives is a purpose-driven performance tool that allows brands to convert discounts into donations. And so we've seen two huge trends happen in e-commerce in the past year. One, brands are trying to hit ridiculously high growth targets while eliminating or pulling back on their discounts because they know that discounts cost $50 billion a year uh, in retail in the U.S. alone in lost revenue, but that it also hurts their brand image in, in ways that might be multiples of that number. And so they're trying to hit aggressive sales targets, but pull back on their discounting, a tall task in and of itself. And then second trend is that separately, consumers are demanding some sort of purpose-driven activity from brands now more than ever and tomorrow more than today. And so this is something that marketers are tasked with, hit ridiculously high sales targets, pull back on discounting. Oh, and what are you doing about authentic and genuine social impact. And, and that is where we step in, allowing brands to convert their discounts into donations and do something like, instead of spend $100 and get $20 off, it's spend $100 and get $20 to give to a charity of your choice. Sounds awesome. So it's basically like you're giving a discount, but instead of the discount going to the company, the discount goes to a charity. That's right. You also, okay. So I guess the first question I would be is that 
are people more likely to do this and how does it make sense for the brand? Yeah. So I was, I was actually all, all cards on the table. I was nervous at first to run strict AB tests around like, Hey, half the audience gets this 20% off offer and half the audience gets this 20% to give back to a charity of your choice offer. Because if we run that test and, and everybody, you know, the, the people in the uh, discount group buy way more than the people in the, in the gives group, I'm dead in the water. Um, and right. so I was nervous to, to run that. And then I realized very quickly that if that's the case, then I don't have a business here. Um, and so let's run this test now. And, and we've now run it 60 plus times over. And the overwhelming majority of times, not only are we performing on an equal footing, but Gibbs is actually outperforming the discount. And so people really do, it restored my faith in humanity a bit as well. People really do care about specific causes. And if they get to choose who they give back to, they're more likely to buy the product. And to be clear, the people are, are paying full price then. Like if the thing costs $10, the options are either pay eight or give $2 to charity, but you still pay 10. So the, the customer is actually not getting any discount on this. Correct. So this is a way of actually driving full price sales. Um, we have had brands had some success with instead of a 20% discount, you could do a 10% discount plus 10% to give back to a charity of your choice. But to be very clear about this, we are not giving the consumer the choice. There's something in the consumer psychology piece that that as long as it's saying like, hey, here, you can buy this item at full price, but you're going to get money to give back to a charity of your choice. There's something in your in your, in your brain that's saying, hey, this company is doing something good. I want to be a part of it. I get to direct where the money goes. I'm, I'm okay paying full price in, 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 this, in this instance. But it's not actually giving them the choice like, hey, you, you either choose the discount or choose to give. You sort of preemptively answered my question without by not giving the consumers a choice because I know like in my own life, I care about social issues, but then on occasion uh, in a pre-COVID world, as far off as that seems, um, when stores would, would ask, I most of the time would say no uh, if they had a charity to donate to, either because I didn't know the charity or didn't care about the issue or I had like budget constraints. So I think maybe my cynicism <laughs> bled into it a little bit. Like, mm, I don't know. But yeah, no, no, I think that's a super valid. And then people ask me all the time, like, oh, so is this is this like when you go into CVS or Walgreens and they ask you to add a dollar to to your to your purchase after you che after you check out, um, and and no, I don't think that this is any. This is this is something totally separate, right? That is something that is uh, asking you to donate an extra dollar after you purchase to a charity that you may or may not know or have heard of um, or or want to support. And I think that's something that's totally separate. I mean, it's great; it raises a ton of money, and so I think that's that's fantastic. Although I agree with you, Jess, it puts you in a little bit of an awkward situation when that cashier asks you, "Hey, do you want to add a dollar to this?" and you say no for whatever reason um, that, that that may be there. Um, but this is something that's actually intended to drive consumer behavior and say like, and, and it's not costing the consumer anything out of their pocket. They're saying, hey, you make this purchase, we're going to give you back a meaningful amount of money, not a dollar. We're not rounding up your donation, not rounding up your purchase to donate 35 cents and charging you that 35 cents. We're actually giving you 10, 15, $20 to give to any charity that you care about when you buy with us and, and you get to choose the charity. They'll still show you some charities that they care about and you can join them in, in doing that so you know what they stand for. But at the end of the day, they're putting their faith in their consumers and they let them choose from any charity in America. I think that's great. I, I definitely feel guilty whenever I don't hit my charitable donations max. And so this is a great way to sort of like to, to 
extract altruism at point of sale. Sorry, Jess, was that too much? No, I was thinking like it's it's a good way to be like, listen, I want to do well and I want to do good, but you're making it easier for me to do that while also not having to sacrifice like buying the stuff that I want to buy, which is probably like you're already at that website and you were going to buy it anyway. And this just is a more incentive to feel less bad while also supporting a charity. Well, I think that's the that's one of the keys here. And so with our especially with our more luxury clients in terms of like, hey, do I the the in the mind of the consumer, do I need this three hundred dollar pair of shoes? Like I, I like the three hundred dollar pair of shoes or even a hundred dollar pair of shoes. I like it. I want it. I've I've been eyeing it for a while. Now I'm gonna get thirty dollars to give to charity if I buy it. Do it, right? And it kind of is is something like you were saying, hey, yeah, it's in the it's in my head. I already want to do this. This is just an extra component to say, okay, I'm going to do it um, and actually make make that purchase. Lex, my face was because I feel like uh, extract altruism is like an oxymoron because if you have to extract it, is it really altruism? But yeah, I think <laughs> in terms of words, that could be correct. But you know what it is. Like, what I know you, what, what you meant, you but I just... Like, sometimes we as humans like need a little bit of help. We know what the right thing to do is. We know where we want to, we, we feel it, but we just don't do it. And that's kind of being generous to the human race in general. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, so to this point, extracting altruism, that's that's interesting. It's something that I'm going to have to go home or I guess I'm already home because of <laughs> go, go home and think about. But I think the, you know, as I think about it, I, I was I was thinking about this and, and there are kind of two, let's, let's imagine two kind of business owners uh, in the world, simplified world. One, you know, they're always going to choose profits over, over doing good. And then the second is always going to choose doing good over profits, right? And the person who's choosing the profits is going to say, well, the person who's always choosing doing good over profits is going to be out of business soon. But I think that's actually starting to change. But let's, and I'm sure everybody is is shades of gray in the middle. But what we want, what we're striving to do with, with Gives is to make sure that that person who's always choosing profits over doing good still runs Gives campaigns, right? Because it's exactly what you're saying. We're extracting altruism out of that business owner because he's doing it or she's doing it selfishly. She's doing it because it's going to make more profits for her business by doing by giving money to charity. And 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 I think that's the that's the big unlock. For sure. So maybe that's that's the extraction is required from a system that is necessarily going to be, you know, return value to the shareholders such as a company. But if you were able to align those incentives with an altruistic goal, I mean, we need that everywhere, to be honest. We need that throughout all of our system of capitalism if we are going to salvage the next hundred years and right the ship in terms of the way things are going. Yeah, I think, I mean, the $50 billion lost in in revenue to discounts every year, if we have a quarter of those you know, a quarter of those discounts being run turned into Gives campaigns, that'll be $12.5 billion immediately making Gives the largest, you know, charitable giving engine in in the world. And and so I think that's where we're headed. So how much money have you been able to donate to charity so far? Yes, yeah, so we just crossed the million dollar mark. Um, so long way to go. Um, but it's really, really exciting. That is really exciting. Congrats. And also, in the course of trying to um, just research the topic of like charitable giving in preparation for this episode, I came across an article in Fast Company that was talking about how America is always held up as the number one charitable country in the world, but actually it's been declining 
in recent years. And for the people who still are donating, it's people who have more money to donate and like the problem of that, because then charities might have to cater towards people with large checkbooks. And then also like the social community erosion that falls from the implications of people not donating to charities. But I think because the money isn't the consumers, that it's actually a way to like get around that because as you sort of touched on before, like they're not having to pay extra on top of it. It's just a, yeah, a this, nice to have. Yeah. that And, and this is a, a bit of our like democratizing giving type of ethos that we have here in terms of allowing people that maybe otherwise would not have been able to give or, or thought to give, you know, that, that capability to say, Hey, I just purchased $60 worth of items from my favorite store. I got 10 bucks to give to a charity of my choice. That's, that's, that's enticing. And, and I think we actually have some, some really good stories. One stands out in my mind from a, a woman where she wrote to us as Gibbs after shopping at one of our clients, you know, online stores, she, she came back and emailed Gibbs and said, Hey, thank you so much for powering this for, for our particular uh, store. I was able to get $10. I had to think about who I wanted to give it to. And I realized that I had, I have a charity that I know and I love and that's close to my heart in my local area. And I hadn't talked to them or donated to them or volunteered with them in years. Um, and now I gave the $10 to them, but more importantly, she went and volunteered that weekend at that actual place. And I think that's, that's the type of stuff that we want to start seeing more and more um, as, as, as Gibbs grows. Love is additive. When it's it's not a zero sum game. The more love you give, the more love you get. It grows the whole pie. Yeah, and giving people that dopamine hit to your point, even if they don't have necessarily the means to to give every day, if they're shopping and then they get to, it feels like they're giving the money, even though the brands, it, you still get that dopamine hit from from doing some good. Does this also work with um, fast fashion? brands because that's a huge source of people like buying clothes and things and impulse buys and so maybe if you could tap into that um that would be a a great way of having a really big impact yeah and i think these fast fashion brands hear the 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 consumer sentiment that like hey you know we you you need to be doing something to offset some of the some of the stuff that comes along with fast fashion and how can you make this more sustainable and how can you make it better for for people in general so we've actually had clients on the fast fashion side like h&m who has run multiple successful campaigns with us and has been really exciting there but all the way through to i think actually a guest on a guest on your show who's on the complete other side of fast fashion in in four days they actually ran a, a campaign with us as well and so that was all really successful and so excited to be able to tap into both sides of that market we love four days. Christy is an inspiration for that. So I'm glad to hear that. And I think with the struggle that we have often is that the the best stuff you can buy is stuff that you already own. So don't buy stuff. Right. So on one end, it's like, how do you make, like, we're not going to be able to just shut down commerce. So that's not going to work. And there are people that get paid to have those jobs and to make those things and sell those things and feed their family. Like, so that's not inherently bad. It's not like, black and white about this, but how do we uh, influence people to, I think at the core, just be a little bit more conscientious, just like think a little bit more about what they're doing. And so uh, this way of influencing their behavior to say, maybe there's an alternative benefit for this is good. And I think in tandem with that, we also need people to think maybe I should buy less things or buy fewer, better things or something along those lines. 
but we need this is like an all hands on deck situation as far as i'm concerned where yeah as much good we can we can create we will it'll start to trickle down to the way that businesses think about themselves and their incentive structures are aligned with their profit motives and all that jazz are you yeah. gonna call who's saving the planet sustainability pirates again <laughs> maybe jess i do lovingly refer to us as the I, I i don't hate pirates. it i want to be a pirate i just i want to know so i can like put in my application i can think about what role i want to have and then i can put in my application i don't think you apply to be a pirate i think you just like <laughs> show up and you're like i'm now a pirate and then yeah. if anyone says like you're not you're like yes i am and then the louder you say that the more pirate you are okay well i'm gonna be the most polite pirate ever then <laughs> Breaking the mold since day one, just miles. Yeah, hundred percent. So, like Andrew, I'd love to learn a little bit about like your journey to this, to where you are now. So, how did you come up with this idea? Where was that moment of inspiration? Yeah, so I, I guess I'll take you back to, and and we can totally cut this out of of the entire recording. Um, my my high school girlfriend would probably appreciate that, but I'll give you the whole story <laughs> of, of of back when I used to. Have, an argue, have arguments with my high school girlfriend around like, you know, hey, how do you have more of an impact, right? Do you graduate from college, go right into the Peace Corps um, and start volunteering and have impact in that way? Or do you graduate from college, go into investment banking, make as much money as you can and fund the Peace Corps um, and be able to pay all those volunteers in, in the Peace Corps? And obviously it's the two, you know, same, you know, it's the same coin, two sides. You have to have both. Um, but we couldn't figure that out as, as 16 year olds and 17 year olds. So we were arguing about which one's more impactful. And we went and we actually lived those truths. So she graduated from college, went straight into the Peace Corps. I graduated from college, went straight into investment banking. Um, and, uh, and that was the end of that. We never spoke again to close the loop there. But we, <laughs> um, <laughs> we, I think it was interesting because I started. So, so I went into investment banking, um, long winded way of, of telling you that. I realized very quickly that I wasn't going to make enough money to fund the Peace Corps or anything close uh, to that. And so I actually ended up starting a, a nonprofit with a couple of friends and I was the treasurer of that nonprofit. The CEO really did all the, all the hard work, gets all the credit. Um, and, and I was responsible for raising the funds, very small amount, ten to $10,000 a year type of deal. Um, but we did a ton of book drives in the New York tri-state area. Um, and shipped those books to Jamestown, Ghana, and ran an after-school program with NYU study abroad students over in Jamestown. And it was an amazing experience um, from the actual impact side of things, from collecting the money side of things and the treasurer side of things, it was a total disaster. So I had friends trying to Venmo me cash as opposed to using our quote-unquote crappy website um, to, to donate. And this created all sorts of problems, especially in the early days of Venmo. Um, and so when I, you know, after finishing the banking stint and going back to business school and being asked, what are you going to do with this one and precious life over and over again, every single day, I said, you know what, it's crazy that there's not a Venmo for charitable giving, there should be a one stop shop on your app on your on your phone an app on your phone that you can be able to donate to donate to any charity um, with the click of a button. And so that's actually where I started and where it gives launched. And so we've actually we spent a year building that technology, six months figuring out that direct to consumer business model was not right for for me as a founder, um, and and was a very uphill battle uh, just in general. And and then we we really stumbled upon the the pivot that that Gibbs has now become, and we really found exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And so um, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, that, I'm first of all 
great story. I love this call out for the high school girlfriend. <laughs> um, that's that's awesome. And you know, so rarely, I feel like a lot of people go into investment banking with that kind of mindset, or at least say that they do. I, it's probably less popular to be like, I'm going into investment banking because I would like to make an ungodly amount of money. <laughs> but very rarely do they come back out. Very rarely do they like, all right, well, Golden this isn't the right. Yeah, exactly. You get addicted to the paycheck or to the bonus structure, and it's very hard to give that up. So I salute you for being like, nope, this isn't right for me and extricating yourself from that world. Yeah, it was, uh, it seemed, you know, it's kind of a more gradual decision than I think you're giving me, you give me a bit too much credit. I went back to business school, right. And had the, had the floor type of, of piece there. Um, and then I said, okay, I think I'm going to start this company. And I didn't realize that three years later, I, you know, I started this company, not married, no kids. Um, and, and now married with two kids under two and, uh, I'm questioning everything. No, uh, it's, it's, it's actually, <laughs> It's, it's actually been an amazing, amazingly rewarding experience. I think, you know, but going through a pivot and, and seeing the depths of, of what startup life is, is really like um, and, and not drawing a paycheck for a little while, drawing a paycheck, then not drawing a paycheck again because you run out of money and then pivoting and finding what you're supposed to be doing and now finding the right investors and partners has been just an unbelievable journey. So to that end, you did just close a round of investment that allows you a little bit of, you know, a breathing room for probably you and your family in general to be like, all right, Andrew, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't screw this one up too bad. Well, I think it extends the, extends the, uh, the decision point at least a little bit. Um, but we'll see, we'll see a year from now how badly we screwed it up or if, uh, or if in fact this, this can take the world by storm as I obviously fundamentally am delusional and think it can. Um, but you got to be right. Like I'm going through the same thing. And a lot of pieces of advice that people say is like, if I knew how hard it would be, I would never have done it. And so you got to be a little bit ignorant about how difficult that road is or just crazy and know the answer to that. So there's one of those two. You have to be a little bit crazy. It's something I struggle with all the time because I like to think I, I studied mathematics and economics in college. I was, you know, I was, I was actually you know, priding myself on how logical and, you know, straightforward thinking that I am. And it's, <laughs> okay, well, you're doing this startup thing for going on three and a half years now, you know, how is the, where's the logic here, <laughs> right? Like, well, you have to be a little bit delusional or crazy to, to really start something and, and, and have the patience to grow it into what it can actually become. And I know, Lex, you're, you're, you're doing this right now yourself. And now you have a four month old who we just saw who exited the stage right a, a few minutes back. I mean, what's going, not to, not to turn the tables, but what's going on on your mind in, in terms of how you're building this? Well, I, that's fine. I to ask people questions. It's not unfair to ask everyone every once in a while. <laughs> I would have to say that without a doubt, the only way that I'm able to do this is because of the strength and fortitude and love of my wife and my family. And she's been so supportive and so fantastic at every turn. And there's so many opportunities to be like, that was fun. Get a job. And she's like, nope, you believe in this. You believe this needs to exist. You believe that like I can help just, you know, nudge the world into a slightly better direction in the way that we're doing it with the help of all of our sustainability pirates, Jess Miles. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's like terrifying. There's moments where it's like, have I, have I just 
is my son going to eat tomorrow? And then there's moments where it's like it completely exhilarating. And those highs and lows can be 20 minutes apart. And I think a lot about what of being a startup sure. founder is understanding how to keep an even keel because there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. You need to just stay focused and just keep grinding on. It's incredible how how those people in your network, whether and your loved ones, you know, near and dear to your heart, like your wife being a champion for you. Same for me. It's something that you cannot quantify how important it is, right? Um, it's unbelievable how much their opinion matters. It's somebody that you love. And, um, and there are always going to be people that love what you're doing. There's going to be people that hate what you're doing. And there's going to be the mass amount of people who are indifferent to what you're doing. Um, and I think having those loved ones and those close people to you that actually go out on a, on a limb to tell you how much, how much they think you're onto something and you can hear my little ones in the background. I know, yeah, I can hear your, your baby in the background too. You have a two month old. We're, clearly we're off the gives topic right now. I'm more yeah. on like the Lex and Andrew mutual emotional yeah. support oh, train. Yeah. We're both like freaking out quietly being like, you're going to be okay, but I promise you're yeah. going to be okay yeah. too. <laughs> it's true. But even, even, even people like that, that you meet and, and say like, Hey, this is, it's going to be okay. Keep grinding, keep getting, uh, keep getting after it each and every day. And you're going to turn this into something big because we know, we know we're on something. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, I had an experience where I talked to somebody who's like very senior. We're trying to create a sustainable scoring system that will adjudicate how good or bad things are to help people make better decisions. People, long time listeners of the podcast know that, but like, that's what we're working on. Love and I talked to somebody who has been doing this for years and he's like, all right, let me tell you three things. One, smarter people with more money have tried. Two, <laughs> they have failed. Three, two, so too shall you. And I'm just like, I also need, I also need that. Like, screw cool. you, bud. Like, watch me succeed. I will be, I, I defy your negativity. And that's, and that, I, I think you said it even better than me. Like if that was your wife, you'd be kind of screwed, but it, oh, yeah, no, there's, there'll be a short conversation. Then, then it'd be over. But if that, because your wife's so supportive and because there are those haters out there, uh, that's a perfect combination. And I love it. I love it. The two yeah. of you are making me feel super single right now. I'm just over here like the <laughs> Grinch. My heart has grown three sizes in this like motivational segment of this episode. And for every, I don't know if Jess is always sitting in a room with a rainbow and field painted on the, on the walls and ceilings, but literally all that I've, I've been speaking with Jess in that same room for nine months. And I am unconvinced that there is a second room, but it is, it is just a sanctuary of positive vibes in there. Jess miles. Spoiler. There is no second room. I've been trapped in here for nine months. Somebody please help. It's <laughs> like, so dark. Don't be <laughs> Blink twice. I'll find you, Jess. We'll get you out of there. <laughs> Sustainability pirates assemble. Uh, All right. Let's get back on track. Um, Andrew, what is the world domination salvation plan for Gibbs? How does this go from being a great idea with a little with like the beginnings of a market success to the ubiquitous way that discount marketing is now transacted? Yeah, so we we fundamentally believe that we're building a, you know, we're actually creating a hundred billion dollar plus marketing channel, right? A marketing category. This is this is a marketing category defining piece of technology that we're just starting with. The easiest way to start is replacing discounts, but we can start to build out features on top of this in terms of 
hey, like, and, and more to saving the saving the planet even further. Um, you know, do you really need this handbag in the next two days? You have we brands have to offer free shipping because or free two day shipping because they have to compete with Amazon. But um, if you really don't need that item in the next two days, offer uh, a standard shipping that's going to save the company money. The company can pass some of that savings along to you in terms of gives cash that you can then donate to any charity that you want. Um, and then you get your handbag in, in seven days instead of two. And I think that that could be something, you know, just there are unlimited features like that, that we can build. Um, and that's just, that's just the beginning of, of these giving campaigns and optimizing these giving campaigns to create a true win-win-win as we talked about it um, for all those office fans out there. Um, but in this case, in, instead of, uh, conflict resolution win-win-win. You actually get uh, the company winning because they're selling more items, making more money. Um, the charities are winning because they actually receive money <laughs> that was created out of the marketing ether. Um, and and people actually win because they are getting that dopamine hit from from donating. And so as that's that's just the the beginning of this thing. And then we can actually take it to any other side of that almost six-sided marketplace that we want. This is just companies to consumers. We could, we have already had, you know, a million dollars donated to charity. 40,000 people have made donations um, on behalf of our partner brands. Um, as that number starts to grow exponentially, and we have millions of people that have made donations to various charities that they care about, um, we can then turn it on to a consumer side place where I've had a number of consumers reach out to me and say, hey, can you send me the list of your clients? Because I want to shop at those places, right? For um, sure. And so we can actually build it out from, from that side. Um, and then ultimately, charities are always looking to partner with companies. Companies are always looking to partner with charities. And so there's some, um, there's, there's some market to be made there. Um, and then ultimately, going all the way back full circle to where we started, which was a Venmo for charitable giving, I think the, the key is you need to have all those other pieces in place first. Um, and then you can maybe start to think about that, but that's, that's, uh, that's the world domination plan 10 years out. Love it. What do you think, Jess? Uh, can I ask one final question? Where does the gives cash come from if it's not coming from the, um, consumer's pocket? Yeah. So th it actually comes from the brand. Um, and so the, the idea is that the brand actually donates the money. Um, but it's, much better for, for a brand for a number of reasons, not to get too far into the weeds. Um, but, but if a brand, if you, if you, if somebody buys something for a hundred dollars and then the brand donates $20, that's much better than the brand just making 80, you know, selling the item for 20 for $80, right. At a $20 discount, you're one, not training people to wait for sales. You're not attracting the wrong type of customer. You're building the community with that customer, but even just from a valuation standpoint, all of these retail companies trade off of or are privately valued off of revenue. Um, and so if they're selling items for 20% more and then donating the 20% and the 20% comes as cost instead of off the top line of revenue, you've just made your company 20% more valuable. Um, and so I think that's something that's not lost on the, on, on the founders of these companies as well. Not to mention it probably helps with their tax structure on April. Yes. Right. That's, yes. that's probably, we don't need to talk. That's a little, that's a little weedy. Um, I think though, the idea about having a repository saying here, these are the brands that you can shop for that will give money and allowing people to sort of build up their gives account of the more charitable donations that they have. I think that's a great idea. Like um, people would love to be able to do that. 
Well, the real goal will be to, to, to have that and then also have the saving the planet score next to each of the hey. items that are in, that are in those, uh, that are in those stores as well. Um, now we're cooking with gas. Perfect. Uh, perfect well, now, now we're cooking with solar electricity powered stoves. There you go. Nice save. Thanks. <laughs> well, Andrew, this has been great. I've loved having you on board. Thank you so much for telling us about this. And personally, you're doing a great job, bud. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you too. I'm very proud of you as well. And Jess, you're doing great as well. Please get out of that room for, for us at some point. Thanks. My next attempt's in an hour. Jess, you're literally the Who's Saving the Planet spirit animal. We love you dearly. Uh, blink three times if you're not joking. <laughs> All right. Okay, good. I'm glad that was lighthearted. And uh, listeners, apparently Jess Miles is single and available. So oh reach out. <laughs> join our newsletter if that is Something that you would like to learn more about. Uh, I like baseball and Superman. Just saying. We'll, we'll come come back to our website and look at the Jess Miles list of requirements for eligibility. <laughs> coming coming soon to you. The only one who ever guessed bassoon on the first try, which I don't know what that says, but I mean, it's impressive. I, it's definitely a plus. Hundreds of times. <laughs> Um, this has been a lot of fun, Andrew. Keep in touch and uh, let us know where our listeners can go find the Give stuff. So if there's any way we can pass that along, we'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can start at gives.com, G-I-V-Z.com. Um, yeah, that's G-I-V-Z.com. And uh, we can we can start there uh, and at Get Gives on all the social media channels. Um, but we'll, we'll post all this stuff and I'm excited to share this podcast as well. All right. Cheers. Talk soon. Cheers.